Hello and welcome to today's Unpacked Short. I'm Charlie Pickles. I edit the capitalism theme here at Unheard. I am joined, as always, by our Unpacked Guru, Peter Franklin. Hello, Charlie. And also a special guest today, Seb Giroux. Hello. We are talking about Singapore and why, as Peter Franklin says, the free market fundamentalists are a bit obsessed with it. Peter, explain. Well, this is a piece um, by Matt Brunig. Um, uh, you can read it on the uh, People's Policy Project. And he starts off with this idea that Singapore is the poster boy for, for the poster child, I should say, for... Um, Much more appropriate, Peter. Indeed, yes, for free market capitalism. And it comes at the top of all these indices of just how free an economy is. He is and do, uh, do we read deregulated for free there? Um, well, that's a big part of it. So low taxes, that sort of thing. Um, and um, also free trade amounts, you know, amount imported, exported, all of these things. Um, Singapore is often right at the top of these lists. But what Brunig says is that in several respects, um, Singapore isn't uh, that sort of stereotypically um, super capitalist as uh, the free market right would have you believe. And so explain why that's the case. You've got some interesting stats from this on land ownership and development. Yes. Well, um, the state in Singapore owns almost all of the land. Um, more than, I think it's about 90%-ish, something like that. And that's up from much, much lower from, from, from well, well under 50%. Indeed, yeah. yes. And that's sort of going back several decades. So, you know, since independence, the Singaporean government has bought up land and has done it through uh, what the Americans called eminent domain and uh, British people will call a compulsory purchase. But it's said, you know, you have to sell us this land. Okay, so so the Singapore government owns the land. I mean, yes. Seb, this, this to me seems like there might be a bit of a tension between a capitalist economy and the state owning all the land and, and forcing people to sell them the land. Yeah, well, it all sounds lovely, doesn't it? Especially when Peter concludes his piece with a wonderful line that is, an enterprise economy should be one in which everyone is enterprising, including the government. And that's not something that none of us here could uh, imaginably disagree with. However, you do think constantly when, when reading this piece, yes, we're, we're looking at this small, small country, the turbo capitalist country. Um, however, a lot of the primary uh, practices and institutions that we would necessarily think of in this country, in the UK, as certainly being something that is operated and, and done by the individuals and private enterprises. You know, when you say here, Peter, you, you quote from the piece here that 37% of the market capitalization uh, of, the, of the Singaporean stock market is because of state activity. That seems an extraordinary uh, amount of, of the uh, the economic activity is done by the state. So yeah, there's there's certainly this sort of uh, to and fro, I'd say, between uh, what we would necessarily think of as a capitalist economy and what the Singaporeans are actually doing. And I suppose the question is there, is that a good thing or bad thing? And is it is it compatible with being capitalist? 
I think it is. Um, if you look, um, I mean, the, the, the Singaporeans have acted out of necessity. When you've got virtually no land, tiny island nation, no access to the neighbouring land because that's in other countries, um, you have to make the most of what you've got. So you need sort of um, very interventionist planning to make sure that each piece of land manages to house enough uh, people and businesses, and they've done that. That's a, a, a totally fair point, but I would say that, you know, how much is too much? You know, at what cost are they rinsing every sinew out of the land that they have? Um, you know, how, what you know, what are the impacts maybe on, on the local communities that have been there? Uh, how many people are coming in from abroad to take advantage of this wonderful uh, regulatory environment, some would say, that they've created there? You know, there has to be a question that at what cost is this um, maximising taking place? Well, I think a lot of people would happily swap, you know, um, the interventionism of the, the Singaporean government if they could also have the very low taxes sure. that are offered. So, yes, um, the state owns a lot, land, and also the... The, the, the sovereign wealth fund of the country is enormous. Um, if, it, if, it, if, if, the American, um, if the Americans had a sovereign wealth fund, um, uh, proportionate to the size of the, the two countries' economies, the, the American uh, one would be worth trillions and trillions, something like $13 trillion if, if they'd done as well as the Singaporeans. Now, that's obviously a huge amount of wealth that has been built up, but that's that helps fund the state instead okay, of taxes. So, so on this point, then, um, which Seb mentioned earlier, you know, you you refer to enterprise economies and and say that the government should be part of that. You know, it, it should be equally as enterprising. And and you know, there are others who have made that same point um, that actually there is a very important role that government should be playing in um, ensuring that, you know, economies are dynamic, are growing, um, are innovating. Um, Peter, how do you see, or do you see, lessons from the way that the Singaporean government have approached, I guess, framing the markets for us? Uh, Definitely. Um, I think in enabling developments, I think uh, Britain, America, certainly Britain, if you look in uh, around London, uh, the state should actually own more land, um, as it did with the new towns, for instance, places like Milton Keynes, for instance, um, that was built through compulsory purchase. And right? famed for its roundabouts. <laughs> Indeed, yes, but it's a very successful place. People actually love, it gets a lot of stick, but people love living there. And it's a new town that was built, very prosperous place, um, and that was and, and and something that enables business and free enterprise because it makes the land and the property available. If only we had a sovereign wealth fund, we might have the money to pay for the land as well. Which uh, is a well, problem. it doesn't cost much if you if you purchase it at not much more than agricultural use value, and then you grant whoa, planning. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> So you're going, to, you're going to force people who own land to sell it at the cheapest possible rate to the state. Well, why should? Why are they entitled to? Uh, they've done nothing to secure planning permission. Um, it's the state creates that value by granting land planning permission. So to, to be clear, right. do, do, would you say that a that that belongs that belongs that 
that extra value that's created absolutely should be used for the common good, not out of some sort of lottery win for some lucky sure. farmer that just happens to own the land where people need to, to, to build a, a so new just, town. So, so are we, are we, just to be clear, are we saying that the, the land that we're sitting on here, the prime spot that is at Tower Bridge, that is the Shard, that the, the whatever the, the hectare of this building here should be sold at the same value at a agricultural piece of land. No, 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 no. I'm saying this is prior to the granting of planning permission. So undeveloped right. land. Undeveloped, undeveloped land, land. Okay. yes. I'm not well, saying... Well, that's a helpful no, again. Yes, I'm not saying com <laughs> confiscate all of London at, at agricultural... You heard it here yes. first, guys. <laughs> I'm saying that when farmland is is sold for development... Thank goodness for Who that. gets the ridiculous uplift in yeah. values in many parts yeah. of the country that occurs? Should it be the lucky farmer or should it be shared out and used... Um, to benefit a greater number of people. I think it's absolutely right. And this is what Singapore did. You know, it's, uh, Singapore wasn't nearly so developed um, at independence. You know, now it's sky high, literally. Mm -hmm. um, now, should, should, those, should those few um, lucky landowners back then have extracted all of the value out for that? Absolutely not. So what you've got in Singapore is... is uh, a system where the government owns a lot, but actually doesn't spend much and doesn't tax very highly. Here, um, in, in Britain, America, France, governments don't own much. In fact, they own huge debts, um, and or rather they owe them. Um, but they, 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 don't, um, they don't own much land, etc., etc. I think the Singaporeans have got it the right way round. Well, there we go. We should be more like Singapore, but perhaps not for the reasons you think. Um, and a massive endorsement for a land value tax from Peter Franklin there, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you also to Seb and Peter for that lively discussion. Thank you to James for producing this podcast. Please do subscribe if you haven't already.